Welcome back to the Amazing Maine Podcast, the unofficial podcast of Maine's culture, history, people, and places, and anything else you and I find interesting about the amazing state of Maine. It's great to be back with all of you. I do apologize. It's been a couple of weeks since my episode was supposed to hit, and that's for a few reasons. One is the episode I had planned just wasn't coming together creatively the way I wanted to, so I've postponed that to make sure it's a much better product for all of you. And also, the coronavirus. This horrible thing called COVID-19 decided to mess with my schedule like it has with a lot of other podcasters. Now, it didn't mess with me in the sense that uh, it affected me and I was ill or anything like that, but it has affected the event I'm talking about, because today is Maine Maple Sunday. And today, I'm going to be sharing with you an interview that I had with Scott Dunn, who is the president of the Maine Maple Producers Association. If you don't know, Maine Maple Sunday is a day that maple producers... That is, people that tap trees and collect the sap, boil it down to syrup and other products, open their doors and bring in the public to share in the process, to learn about it. They have pancake breakfasts, uh, maple-flavored ice cream, they have horse uh, carriage rides, sleigh rides, all kinds of things. And it's just a wonderful day to go and see a part of our economy and the farms around here that produce maple products. Unfortunately, due to the coronavirus, they have postponed Maine Maple Sunday, so I did want to air this on the day so that you can learn about it, and hopefully, as you'll see towards the end of my episode, you can still support the maple producers of the state of Maine by going to the association's website, looking up a producer, and maybe purchasing some of those products from them. So our interesting main fact for this episode, what is the official sweetener of the state of Maine? Well, probably pretty easy to guess. It's maple syrup. Now, if you think it's strange that a state have an official sweetener, I got news for you. There's a lot weirder ones to come. So stay tuned because Maine has got some pretty interesting or downright strange state symbols. We're going to get to all of them eventually, But today, we're talking about the official sweetener of the state of Maine, and that is maple syrup. So let's get into the interview with Mr. Scott Dunn of the Maine Maple Producers Association. Thanks very much for joining the Amazing Maine podcast. Tell us what you do for maple syrup production and uh, maple products production in the state of Maine. I grew up in Vermont uh, making syrup as a kid. About six, seven years ago now, I got into making maple syrup on a small scale, and then that slowly progressed into a commercial size operation. Currently, I'm the president of the Maine Maple Producers. We work to promote maple um, throughout the state, really the world, as well as um, producers on how to make more syrup or quality syrup on the scale that they choose. Maine Maple Sunday is our big promotion throughout the year where sugar houses all over the state this year, it's going to be over 100, open their doors, invite the public in to learn how maple syrup is made on either small scales or large scales, and then um, try the products as well as purchase products as well. And how big is maple production for the state of Maine? So in this state of Maine right now, it's approximately, I believe, about a $37 million business that comes into the state. The majority of the producers on the large scale are in the Somerset County, Jackman, and Golden Road area. Anywhere from 10,000 taps all the way up to, I believe, one has uh, 80,000 taps now off the Golden Road. On the southern Maine size, you know, a 3,000 tap producers, a large size. Uh, many are in the three to 500 tap range. And as you go up the coast, it's kind of that size until you get inland and find the larger tracks of land. 
what really is involved for someone who has never, you know, done anything with maple syrup other than buy a jug of it at the grocery store? What's really involved in maple production? If you want to make a gallon of syrup, what's involved in that on the infrastructure side? So at the very basic fundamentals of making maple syrup, we harvest sap from trees that contains anywhere from one to two percent sugar. And then through boiling, we remove more water and caramelize the sugars that are there, which gives the sweetness and the color to the syrup. Now, as the season progresses, the flavors change, but that's just naturally due to the trees metabolizing. Now, a small producer with two or three buckets hanging off of trees in their yard could probably make about a gallon of syrup a year on a turkey cooker that takes about three 20-pound bottles of propane to do it. Now, a larger scale, it gets more complicated where we measure sugar contents. We're using high-performance vacuum systems that allow the trees to release more sap easily, collect in large storage tanks, and then go through the machines that remove more water with reverse osmosis, and then larger wood oil-fired evaporators um, that are more efficient. So it's a pretty high-tech operation when you are at the the production level of the main maple grow, main maple producers association not too many people uh, on a commercial side are doing the the old buckets on the trees correct no those have gone away um when you add vacuum to maple trees if you go to 15 inches inches of mercury is how we measure vacuum when it comes to that if when you go to 15 inches which is half of perfect vacuum you double the sap production for that tree then for every inch above that, you gain 2%, 2 to 5% more production. So if you want to harvest sap efficiently, you use the new modern tubing systems and vacuum pumps, and then you only have to go to one tank or multiple tanks if you have different areas to collect your sap. Whereas with buckets, or some people use bags hanging off the trees, you, you have to go to each tree just about daily to collect the sap. But there's also days when those buckets will run over because it's such a high production day of sap. So for small scale, buckets work. As you get larger, it becomes a time and efficiency piece to where the vacuum to get the performance out of the tree and the quantity of sap, as well as the time piece to only have to go to a few locations to uh, to move sap. So we're coming up on maple harvesting season right now. Tell us exactly what makes the sap run what what is it that you know I, I see the buckets all around for people that are doing it uh, around their homes and their own personal property but what is it in nature and in uh, regards to you know how the trees work and how the, the weather works what makes the sap start to run so that you can produce syrup the trees move the sap up and down the stem of the tree is a way to facilitate growing leaves as well as bud production so the trees actually, once they drop the leaves in the fall, produce the buds. And they do move the sap up and down the trees. And some research groups are checking to see if there's any difference between fall sap and spring sap. But once we get through the winter and the trees, they can sense the intensity of the sun as the sun gets higher in the sky, as well as the length of the days. When it warms up, they're moving the sap up into the branches so that they can get ready for those buds to become larger and then produce the leaves, which is their ultimate goal, is to produce leaves. Now, when it gets cold at night, that sap goes back down and is stored in the roots. During the day, when it's warm, it goes up into the branches, as it, the way it, it moves the sap up and down. And you can think of a tree as a, basically it's a big straw that moves liquid up and down through the fibers. 
what we're doing is we're just removing a small portion of the sap that goes up and down that tree. When we do it, we're looking for nights that are about 25 degrees. And then during the day, if for summers around 45 degrees, is about a perfect day, but no wind. When, once the wind blows, the trees actually don't flow sap like they would, which it, they're not affected by the wind chill, but they control their sap flow with that with the wind. The warmer days, colder nights, and no wind, basically. Yep, and believe it or not, they're affected by atmospheric pressure too. So when you get a bluebird day, bright blue sky, a high pressure going through, it's nice. They won't flow as much sap because with the high pressure, it's harder for the tree to push the sap up the tree. Now you get kind of a, a hazy day maybe misting a little bit, but it's a warm 45 degrees with that, the low pressure, it's easier for the sap to go up the tree and you'll overflow your systems on a day like that after you've had a cold night. So once you collect the sap, it's a, if I remember correctly from my uh, visits to uh, some of your members on May Maple Sunday, it's a 40 to one ratio from sap to syrup. Is that correct? That's generally the average. The trees, tree to tree, put out different percentages of sugar in the sap some may put out less than one percent and some can put out up to three and a half to four percent so that 40 to one is based on a two percent sap concentration earlier in the season sap concentrations are higher as the season progresses the sap uh, the sugar concentrations drop off to where you can be about one percent and then you're 80 gallons of sap to make a gallon of syrup Wow, that's, uh, that's a lot of sap to boil down, hence the large amount of propane or wood or whatever fuel you're using to boil the sap down. Right. That, that's why, I mean, larger producers have gone to reverse osmosis through electric pumps and mem uh, filter membranes. Um, it removes the water but keeps the sugar in the con mixed concentrated sap. So you can take your 2% sap and make it 4% then you're at 20 gallons of sap to make a gallon of syrup. And it just keeps going from there is a way we generally boil about eight to 12% is where we go. So we're make, it takes us about eight gallons of concentrated sap to make a gallon of syrup. So we've saved on firewood and time in the sugar house because we let the machine take the majority out. It's a time saver. Once you get on large scale, it allows you to spend more time in the woods rather than in the sugar house boiling sap, and it saves time in the off-season on splitting and collecting firewood. <laughs> Which I know uh, from personal experience that I heat with wood takes a heck of a lot of time. It's definitely a younger man's game. As producers get larger, they just don't have the time to put into firewood, and most large producers go to oil-fired evaporators. How does Maine compare to other maple-producing states? Where do we fall in terms of dollars or, you know, our type of syrup versus theirs? Is there really any discernible difference between uh, maple syrup from Maine and maple syrup from another state? So in the United States, Vermont produces the most amount of maple syrup at about 1.1 million gallons a year, which is about 41% of the nation's production. New York is after that with about 20% of the production and Five, just over 500,000 gallons of syrup. And Maine comes in third at 13% of the production with 360,000 gallons of syrup. Now, the rest of the states, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Rhode Island all fall in and they drop off dr dramatically in numbers. But this fails in comparison to Canada that makes 73% of the world's maple syrup supply in Quebec at about 10 million gallons of syrup a year. 
when it comes to taps in trees, Vermont has almost 6 million taps. New York is under about 2.5 million taps, and Maine is just shy of 2 million taps. But when it comes down to it, Somerset County has one almost 1.9 million of those taps alone in Somerset County. So this through the state, that one county produces the majority anomaly compared to the other syrup producing states. Interesting. And that's just obviously, I would guess, where the maple trees are in the state of Maine in large quantity. It, it, it's that, and it's also population-based. You go into southern Maine, an acre of land is worth more for a house lot than it is for tapping trees. Whereas you get up into Jackman, they'd assume have an acre of land to put maple syrup taps on than to build a house. And it's just strictly population-based. Why don't we talk about Maine Maple Sunday here a bit? This um, year is going to be the 37th year of Maine Maple Sunday. Maple Sunday was started as a group of producers, with the Maine Maple producers, around a kitchen table that wanted to find a way to sell more of their syrup and get people to understand how they made it. With that, at a kitchen table, Maine Maple Sunday was born. Through marketing, through the nation's desire for natural foods, less processed foods, maple has taken off as an all-natural sweetener that isn't a processed sugar. We simply just remove the water from it and caramelize the sugars. So they wanted to pick a day that they wanted to use. So they said, let's always do it the fourth Sunday in March. So it's a consistent way for the public to remember it. With that, now we have over 100 sugar houses that open their doors every spring on the fourth Sunday in March. They offer everything from boiling demonstrations, pancake breakfasts, tours in the woods, sampling syrups with the different grades of syrup, different maple confections, as well as kids' activities, horse sleigh rides, that type of thing. So the day became very popular. Several producers now do Saturday and Sunday just because to get enough people through to see everything that they want to see and not have to wait in the extremely long lines that can happen. I can speak from personal experience with my family that some of these locations do an excellent job on offering various foods. Like you said, pancake breakfasts. I've been to places that have ice cream smothered in maple syrup, which is just wonderful. Uh, my kids are very partial to the horse and sleigh rides. If someone is considering attending Maine Maple Sunday and going to some of these events, where would they find information? So the best way to do it is going to mainmapleproducers.com, and on there is the Maine Maple Sunday map. On there, it shows all the sugar houses that open their doors and allow them to come in, as well as they can search by area that they want to go to, certain producers. And there's also descriptions that show what each producer has for activities or presentations that they're able to do throughout the day. So really, that, that maple map is someone's best bet because they can make a route and make a day of it, which several places do now. There's a group in southern Maine that produces syrup, and they have the maple passport. And what that is is if you go to four different sugar houses and get, they have a little card, and you get a stamp or a signature on it, whichever the sugar house chooses, you complete that, drop it off, you get in the running for a quart of syrup that each sugar house donates. So if there's 10 sugar houses on it this year, there's 10 quarts of syrup that are available to be raffled off with your completed card by visiting four sugar houses. Every sugar house is different. They all have different niches that they tend to focus on. A lot on education. Some have more farm events. Others have tours in the woods that explain the process. Of course, sample and syrup at every sugar house is always everyone's favorite, especially with ice cream. 
but it's a way to go and experience what is really out there from small operations to very large operations with um, high-tech processes. Now, you said before we started the interview that you're from Vermont and originally, so you're from away like me, and you also mentioned that you're a full-time firefighter. My first maple syrup production story involves both of those things. I went to college in Vermont, and I was once with a buddy on the fire department, and we were just driving around. We had gone out for pizza or something like that, and we're driving down uh, a highway going back to college, and we saw a roof with sparks flying from it, and we immediately thought, dear Lord, they've got a chimney fire, because this was in late February, early March, or something like that. We were, this was... 25 years ago or more, we were 20, 21 years old and full of all kinds of energy. And we got as close as we could in his truck and we jumped out and we ran through the woods and we pounded on the door screaming, your roof's on fire, your roof's on fire. And a guy opened the door looking at us and said, what? And we said, your roof is on fire. You've got a chimney fire. He said, no, we don't. This is a sugar house. He said, come on in. So they invited us in, and there was a group of guys there that worked for the Vermont Department of Transportation, and this was their little project, their hobby project, and they were sitting there playing cards, boiling syrup. And we felt pretty stupid, but they actually took us through the whole process and showed us this entire, you know, boiling operation that they had. And as a gift, parting gift for us and our concern with their uh, building and their roof, they did give us a little bit of syrup to take back to school, which was very nice. But we learned a lot about the different colors. They showed us the color, you know, examples that you put the little bottle in and show, is it amber, is it dark amber, all those different things. But they also told us about how things used to be done and how, you know, they used to, the farmers would hang a pig's tail from a string to uh, let the fat out of the pig's tail to disperse the foam at the top of the boiling operation. And they were using butter now because uh, no one uses pig's tails anymore. But it was quite an operation and it was a quite an introduction into uh, syrup boiling of any kind. <laughs> Every year, believe it or not, multiple sugar houses have the fire permit show up because someone thinks that it's on fire. Inevitably, one or two sugar houses a year does catch fire because we're trying to boil sap as fast as we can because we want to go to bed at night so you run the fire as hot as you can and inevitably one sugar house probably burns down a year which is unfortunate but the calls for the fire department do exist but like you witnessed when you went in there they invited you in the sugar makers love educating the public and the customers on their craft because we enjoy syrup so much and making it that we have so much knowledge that we can share now there's some that they, they don't necessarily want to talk to the public, but the majority of them, if you stop at a sugar house when they're boiling, if you see steam coming out of the roof, they will talk your ear off and answer every question you have, and you'll probably have a cup of warm syrup in your hand, too, to be able to sample, because we love our craft so much and love to share what we have and be able to educate the public on it. Maine Maple Sunday is coming up, or Maine Maple Weekend, as I've seen some people now call it. As you mentioned, people are going Saturday and Sunday. And if you could tell people, once again, where they can find information, uh, hopefully uh, we can get more people into the state of Maine and seeing the wonderful maple production that we have. MaineMapleProducers.com has the Maine Maple Sunday map. Looking on there, it has listings for all the sugar houses, as well as a map with their locations. The descriptions explain what they're going to have for sale, the different events they have, whether it's sleigh rides, tours in the woods, pancake breakfasts, which are always good. Wonderful. 
Thanks very much. We really appreciate it. And I hope you guys have a great syrup boiling season this year. I hope it uh, is a really good one. I hope the weather's great. I hope the barometric pressure is great. I'm looking forward to it. My kids talk about it all year long, especially the horse rides. I think they maybe like those a little bit more than they do uh, some of the syrup sometimes. Uh, Thanks for your time. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Scott Dunn and to all the members of the Maine Maple Producers Association. We're very sorry this event had to be canceled. Maine Maple Sunday is really important to the state and to all of these folks. So I do urge you to go to the association's website that Scott talked about and go to their Maine Maple map and look at all the producers. Many of them actually do sell online. You can actually buy their syrup right from a home-based website. And if they don't, give them a call. Maybe they'd be willing to take a check through the mail. I don't know, but it's a great way to support local businesses. Even if you're not from Maine, if you want to get some genuine stuff from a small Maine farm, look on that map, look for a producer, find someone that's making all these wonderful products, and see if you can buy some from them. Might take a little bit of effort, but you know what? It's really worth it. It really will support a small local Maine farm. And really, 360,000 gallons of syrup from the state of Maine. That's really impressive. I think roughly about 100,000 gallons of that is purchased by one of my mother-in-laws down in Texas. But the rest of it goes to various people here in New England that come into Maine and buy it as mementos. A couple of things that Scott mentioned that you may not be familiar with. He mentioned the area in Maine where the largest number of producers and taps is in Somerset County. And he also mentioned the Golden Road. Now, if you look at a map of Maine... Somerset County is in the northwestern part of the state, so it's really in an area that does not have a lot of people in it, lots of trees, lots of forests, and was traditionally an area used by the paper companies. He also mentioned the Golden Road, and the Golden Road is actually a private logging road that goes all the way from a Canadian border crossing at St. Zachary into Quebec, and then all the way to the town of Millinocket, which is in kind of the northern central part of the state. It's uh, around 100 miles or so. It is uh, paved in portions, but it's mostly gravel. Uh, There are some portions that are in pretty bad shape certain times of the year, especially during mud season. But it is a logging road through and through, and the logging trucks that still operate there have the right of way. And if you are out on the Golden Road at any point in time and you really want to see some Maine wilderness, stay out of the way of the logging trucks. So again, try to support those maple producers. Go to the association's website. I will have a link to it in the show notes on my website. It was great sharing this with all of you. I do hope you come to Maine for the next Maine Maple Sunday. I'll be sure to be announcing it uh, well in advance this time. and Hopefully we won't have any virus issues or quarantine issues to deal with the next time it comes around. So long, folks. Thanks for listening to the Amazing Maine podcast. Faulty recording, bad editing, and substandard technical knowledge are all provided by me, Scott, your host. Interruptions are provided by my children, a family dog that can't come to grips with Maine wildlife or delivery drivers, and my own ninja-like mastery of procrastination. You can help promote the podcast by visiting our website at www.amazingmainepodcast.com and on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and something called Pinterest. Who knows, maybe with some luck, I could get some sponsors and even buy a decent microphone. Thanks for your help, everyone. Have a great day.